1882. This is your Tottenham podcast, although to be fair, uh, we haven't really turned up that often. But Christian has turned up today to join me. How you doing, bro? How we doing, all right? Yeah, not bad. Should probably have told you like that I'm Ash, in case you uh, you don't know who I am. Um, mate, what a weekend, eh? We've had uh, quite a device's time as a fan group, as a fan base over uh, the last few weeks, but nothing brings us together like a, a, a record-breaking moment and uh, history before our eyes. What we saw with the Harry Kane goal. Yeah. What how did you? How did you? Uh, how did you celebrate that goal? Oh, a little tear in my eye. <laughs> um, a real big sigh of relief. I think if anyone deserved to break it, it was Harry. Yeah. Um, after the the loan spells and not being trusted and the pathway looked a bit tight, to just bursted on the scene and having to carry this club on his shoulders for a very long time. I, I just think it's just all adds up to to how special he really is. Is it about time that Tim Sherwood gets knighted for bringing him through? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Sherwood. Oh, he definitely paid the credit. He's got to take credit. Well, he can take what little he deserves, to be fair. But no, Harry Kane... Uh, a special player. I think we heard. I don't know if you saw the uh, the interview Harry Kane at the end of the game that Spurs yeah. TV did, and we saw the message from uh, the great Jimmy Greaves' son uh, about obviously about how um, Jimmy used to always say how if anyone was going to break the record, he wanted it to be Harry because he's obviously a local lad and down to earth and hardworking. And um, there's just is he the best you've ever seen? I mean, I've never seen a player who is so rounded, certainly not a striker, left foot, right foot header, all sorts of goals. And ah, just just incredible. What a moment. And you, um, yeah, you've, you've seen his rise through the ranks. We're old enough to have seen him and obviously compared him to other strikers. How how far has he progressed and how does he rank against the top strikers that the league has ever seen in your eyes? This, this boy was never meant to be what he is today. Mm. Let's put it that way. He was he was never meant to be this great. He was never meant to be this well-rounded. Um, and ultimately, I've got to put it down to his professionalism. Yeah. I think the way he's been able to take on board every single manager he's worked under, because, listen, Turnshaw had brought him through. You could see he was a bit raw, but you saw the determination in the boy to make it. Yeah. Um, he then worked under Poch and he, he developed his running game and his finishing. And then people would probably thought that we heard the one season wonders. Then <laughs> but when Poch come under, they thought, oh, maybe the style of play. And there was always excuses. And then the boy then elevated himself even further under Mourinho. I think mm. under Mourinho, he learned a lot. Mourinho elevated his game even further. And then under Nuno and Conte, even under Nuno, like all of a sudden, all these players have left. Um, the manager's not where we wanted, who we wanted. And all sorts was going on. And this boy still had all that burden upon him. Yeah. Um, and, this, and under Conte, the different style of play, being more of the hold-up man, the creator. He's just been able to take the best out of everyone. 
and adapt himself to every situation. And I think his professionalism and even dealing with the whole Manchester City thing and wanting to leave and the contract, he's never looked distracted in a such. Yes, his performances weren't the same, but that's normal. But he never threw his toys out of the pram. You'd never get this bullshit in the media. I think ultimately his professionalism just shines through. And and for me, that makes a bigger connection with us fans, just as much as how good he plays football. Yeah, he's a proper role model. And I think you tend to see two types of players come through the ranks, certainly when they're younger. You see the ones that have just got all the natural talent in the world, like your Marcus Edwards and and so forth, the ones that look like they can just dribble the ball for, for days and days and no one will get near them. And then you get players like Harry Kane, who uh, is an inspiration for all of us because he, he's clear that he's got there with hard work. Obviously, he's got bags and bags of talent, but you can just see through the progress he's made. It's just it's determination and hard work and putting in the hours, first one in the training ground, last one out, like all the, all, every one of his ex-teammates have said, just absolutely sensational. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the goal that won it. I really would have liked it to be a penalty just to piss everyone off even more. <laughs> I think that would have been even sweeter. But it was just it was just so nice that he got a proper Harry Kane goal, I'd say. Um, but like his his OG goals, and it was a winning goal in a big game as well. Like how disappointing would it have been if we ended up getting spanked five one? Listen, it would have never been disappointed, no matter when it happened. But it just made it a little bit more special. I think being at home as well, he was able to talk to the fans. I don't think in an away game, they wouldn't have given him the mic and have all this interview. But I think that whole aura around it just made it so much more special. Going through a time where the fan base is divided, things going on outside of the pitch. And just for those minutes, when the goal went in to the end of the interview, everyone was just together. To see how many people stayed in that stadium to hear him speak, just speak to Williams. And yeah. if I was in that stadium, I would have waited to the very end. And I'm sure everyone else would have. Might still be there now, to be honest. What a, <laughs> what a game. What, what an all-round performance as well. But we'll, we'll come on to the actual game in a minute. Um, can you recall your favourite Harry Kane goal, Chris? Um Arsenal with that curler when he cuts inside off the left wing. I think that's the first one that comes into everyone's heads. That was where he runs and takes off the mask and does that sliding on his ass celebration. Ridiculous. Um, Yeah, absolutely love it. Then there was that one against Chelsea. Was it was it five two or five three? That mad game where he just spins. I don't know. I can't remember if it was Oscar or someone. He just spins him and just unleashes a shot out of nowhere from about thirty yards and just rolls it into the bottom corner absolutely sensational I think that was um, that was uh, that was him making his name really in my eyes like it was the whole mask moment though yeah special goal absolute beauty of a goal the whole mask and everything like that just against Arsenal we won that game and it was just just something else like he loves a goal against Arsenal as well, which he makes us love him even more. He scores against everyone, it doesn't matter, yeah. but they seem to get it bad. He's the only striker ever to have scored against every single Premier League club he's faced, hasn't he? Well, certainly one of a very select yeah. club of players. One of, done that. one of the very least, yeah. Yeah, unreal, unreal player. Um, yeah, we could talk about Harry Kane for days and days, and I think everyone else already has. There is one thing 
that um, we need to mention because I don't know if you're watching Sky Sports, but Michael Rich is at the end talking about how he's not better than Shearer because um, Shearer's won a trophy. So everyone remembers that. So, Chris, I want to challenge you. Well, Can you name so, me every player in that Blackburn side with Shearer that won the Premier League? I'm taking a piss. No, can you tell me the only three players to have scored over 200 Premier League goals in the league? Of course I can. Shearer, Rooney and Kane. Exactly. There's over 700-odd fucking medals handed over since the Premier League has got out. There's no way you can name every single one. Richards, I love the guy, but when he's saying stuff like that, does he think he's the best in the world just because he was piggybacking off the rest of his team? Winning his medals for him. <laughs> He's a smart oh, lad. He knows what's going to keep him relevant on the TV. Pulses. And listen, there is no shame in being second to Shearer. No. Shearer, amazing striker. Amazing. But as an all-rounded player, yeah. Kane is better than him. But Shearer's a better goal scorer, yes. Shearer did it in when defending was harder, Yes. I'd say there's a better standard right. of defending in the league now, to be fair. At least greater competition. When Shearer was doing it, there only ever seemed to be two teams that were ever actually challenging towards the top, whereas Harry Kane is in probably the smallest of the top let's, six sides. Let's also add as well that Kane's the fastest of 200. Yeah, yeah, mental. That makes mental. it like Kane, let's, he, Rooney's done. Rooney's been... Rooney's third, like mm. six goals. All four we know can get set in the next game. Like yeah. that's how special this boy is. And to beat Rooney, who I think is one of the best English strikers of all time, the most underrated, definitely amazing player. He was probably one of the first where the touch became something new, more well-rounded. Could beat a man in a one v one. Could hold up play. Mm. Listen, Rooney could have played as a nine, as a ten. Anything six if he wanted to. This boy was that boy was special, and Harry Kane to be on that level. I'm sick and tired of comparing greats. Let's yes. just say they were all fucking amazing. And for me, if I was in the same conversation as Shearer and Rooney, that's enough for me. I don't have to beat them. Like I think it's ridiculous all this comparison stuff. Yeah, it's like J Cole said, "Who's to say that who's greater? All we know is they ain't the same." Yes. Anyway. So, Christian, you were at the, uh, I was going to say the away leg. It's not really a two-legged tie, but it seems so because it was so close. But you were you were at the city ground um, for, the, for the defeat. What was different about this game? Because it felt different just watching it. Do you know the only difference? What's that? Individual mistakes. That is it. No, did you? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's what's really frustrating. Like, we've... We would have beaten as, in that first leg, if not in yeah. that first in a hot away game, if it wasn't for individual mistakes. And it they wasn't just a normal... It was killing us. It wasn't just a normal... Well, obviously, Dyer, Davies and Lloris weren't great, but then you had Perisic making your mistake in the midfield. No, I don't no. know what happened. It's like we just lost the belief, whereas in this game, with the crowd behind us, and I think with the moment of Harry Kane scoring and what that meant to everyone in the team and the stadium and all the support that he got because of that. We were able to really rally behind the club and he just kept that intensity up. And we've we've seen all too often this season that we have a 45-minute performance, whether that's first half or usually second half. But this was the most complete 90 minutes performance all season, isn't it? Oh, I'm probably one of the only two or three. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is that the players that have let us down 
as much as we criticise them for this game here, uh, I'm going to put my neck out on it. I've been critical of Emerson. Critical Mate, of Oibre. Unreal performance critical, from Emerson. Uh, critical of Dyer. Critical, critical of Davies. Mm. And they were arguably the four best players on the pitch. Dyer, Davies, Hoiberg and Emerson. I don't arguably think that's a doubt. Four best. I don't think there's an argument to be made. I think they were. I think they absolutely obviously Harry Kane was sensational. Son was looks like he's back. He obviously that. didn't I score. But what we what his biggest issue has been over the start of this season is he can't keep the ball. But he was making really good runs with the ball and releasing it at the right time at like the one old Sunday. One good free kicks. Yeah, yeah, it, important. It, 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 he looked he looked a different totally different player. Yeah, I think what one thing that was different from this game that was actually picked up with I think it was uh, Neda Manuaha on Match of the Day. I don't know if you watched it, but he he they really highlighted Dyer pressing up from in basically into midfield which was really effective i mean i wouldn't expect to see that so often because there aren't any other clubs in the league that just refuse to kick it long like man city were never going over the top so we could we could just release dyer to go and do that pressing and that allowed hoivieg and bentico to go further forward but that was um almost going back to the days of where he was playing in a in a midfield under potch and dropping back into three it's, it's not even just that it's just he had Haaland in his back pocket. Mm. Haaland didn't want to show for the ball because he knew Dyer was on his ass and Dyer would have gone through him. He was trying to get in behind Dyer, but, but Dyer was just intercepting. Just Dyer did everything that he was meant to do. Davies did everything he was meant to do. Mm. Poitberg, another great game against City. And then Emerson just... Listen, Grealish had a good game and he still couldn't beat Emerson. Yeah, ridiculous. But it wasn't even just defensive from Emerson. Like he really brought the ball forward really well and intelligently. And it the annoying thing is it probably won't go in his stats as a successful cross, but it was that cross to Kane where he airballed it. Yeah. I mean that was a successful cross. I don't care what the stats say. Like it was (laughs) a really good cross to find him in space when there was an easier pass on. Even little things off the ball, Ash, which normally when you see Emerson, he's hugging that touchline, he tries Mm. to overlap Kulu, but what I saw different is he was cutting inside and doing the overload on the inside rather than the overlap. Yeah. And Cooley was getting the ball and all he had to do was a little two, five-yard pass in front of him with the outside of his boot and either Hoiberg and Emerson were on the inside of him. Yeah, I think it really helped that um, City only really played with one wide person on either side with Mahrez and Grealish starting wide. Um, and as they seem to do quite often, the fullbacks sort of tuck in as auxiliary centimetres, don't they? So because we're so quick on the on the turnover, out wide is where the space was and out, out wide is where we're most dangerous. That's what Conte uh, systems are all about. So um, fantastic performance. And he, uh, he just executed the game plan really well. And he was one of a number of them. And like you said, Dyer and Davies are much maligned at the fan base recently. What I will say, though, is as good as it was, it brings to my mind and it brings to my head how we could have been in such a good position had these kind of players been able to sustain this this level. Yeah, consistency Let's not issue. forget, a lot of the games, yes, we haven't been brilliant, but we've lost it all to individual errors. I wouldn't say there was one game that a goal that we got totally outclassed on. Like, even against Arsenal, apart from Partey's goal, which you could arguably say, why did no one close him down? You could arguably say, why is he not in prison? But yeah. that's another matter, well, allegedly. 
Allegedly. Add that in in case he's fucking Allegedly. But technicalities and that. <laughs> um, but Larice errors, Dyer errors, yeah. Davies errors, Longley errors, Sanchez errors, Perisic errors, Hoiberg errors. We've seen it all. Emerson errors, Romero errors. And a lot of the goals that we concede are due to us. And we could be, I reckon we could be second. Like, we're not that far off United. And that's with individual errors. It's infuriating. And I, I mean, I mean, ultimately, that's why I'm not one of the, the fans that are calling for their heads and saying, like, release them. Like, I think they're good squad players. But we do need more consistent, more dominant players if we want to really be challenging. We, we absolutely need oh, to upgrade. Oh, There's no argument. But um, yeah, it was it was a special performance, and I, I want to bring it back to Kane for a minute because um, this was billed as the um, the battle of the two world class strikers, or, or certainly the two best in the league. And did you see Haaland? Because after he got battered by Romero, I don't remember seeing him at all. Kane, sorry for my language. Kane is my fucking striker. <laughs> all right, fuck Haaland. <laughs> Current tire cane shoelaces, my striker, right? Haaland, Romero might have got his red, but he did the simple thing that everyone, even at Sunday League, tell you to do. First 10 minutes, let the man you know you're there. Yeah. Haaland, first touch on the ball, boom, Romero straight through. And I, <laughs> I, I loved it so much. <laughs> and if you know, if you noticed, Haaland lost his head because there was also that time when Romero was marking him and he was pulling on Romero's shirt. Yeah, yeah. And Romero went one of these to fall on the ground, so he was giving it back. And that tackle set the tone for Haaland and it proves that Haaland is not a football player. He's a great goal scorer. I'm not going to take that away from him. However, he's made Man City worse because they haven't got the fluidity in their game. Now they're all very one-dimensional and he he does not have the hold-up play, does not have the footballing skills Please, let's not talk about Haaland and Kane. Kane's up there with Shearer, Greavesy and, yeah. and, and and them guys. Let's not talk about Haaland. I, I, I think the important thing, well, the, the easiest way to put it is that Harry Kane walks into any side and suits any style and makes them better. Haaland, you have to completely change the system to suit him. Listen, Guardiola was scratching his head. Why didn't I get Kane? <laughs> Why did I get freaking... Goldilocks, why didn't I just go get Harry Kane? Why did I spend a hundred million on Grealish and then only offer seventy million for the best striker in the world? Listen, Harry Kane, my striker. Man City fans, just keep thinking and dreaming what you could have had. You got Harland now. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Man City fans uh, dreaming about what they could have had, I think they'll be dreaming about the last few years. One they're down in League Two. They ain't sleeping to dream. Yeah, this is the news that they've been charged by the Premier League with 100 uh, offences against the uh, the Premier League's financial fair play rules over a nine-year period. And they had about five trophies in that period. Um, Obviously, they beat us in the Carabao Cup. May we just just add, they've already been found guilty by UEFA. Court of arbitration over time. Court of arbitration only turned it around on a technicality. Yeah, but that's not an option in this this judge. Yeah, for this one, whatever they get given, can't go to arbitration of sport. Let let them get relegated, man. I don't even care about point deduction. Even if if half of it, even if half of the allegations are true, 
that's that's relegation. Like a fine ain't gonna mean shit to him. There's no point finding him. But what the what, what I wanna say, and um I say this from a man in this line of work, if we're talking about um suppressing your uh, your sales or suppressing the amount of money you spent and inflating your income, at what point does the state get involved? Like this is this is bad news for them. Like this isn't oh. this is if we if we're looking at what's happening with Juve, it's the same thing. It's, it's just on a bigger scale. Exactly. Yes, they might have match fixed, but ultimately, doing your books the way you did allowed you mm. to buy certain players yeah. that, that guarantee you challenging for titles. That's match fixing in an element. I mean, talk about match fixing. Did you see the performance from the referee on Sunday? Fuck Listen, me. He's Bobby Madley's brother. <laughs> Bobby Madley got relegated because he weren't good enough for the Prem. The same <laughs> shit needs to happen to his brother. I'm sorry. Ridiculous. They got the same DNA. Listen, what pisses me off, right? If if you are consistent, I've got no no issues. Mm. But the fact is, Benzko made one challenge and got booked, and Grealish was constantly giving away stupid five fouls. five fouls he could they got actually given. Not alone the ones that he got away with, five fouls he committed, nothing. And one of them was extremely cynical. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Rodrigo the same. I can't remember any Liverpool. Well, Rodrigo uh, when he pulled back Son when Son yeah. was on the break. Nothing. Nothing at all, man. Perfect performance. Oh, I mean, I I really expected him to give the penalty against Lloris at the end. Um, when Lloris saved a cross or stopped the cross. The only way Gary Neville lost his shit about it for some reason. I really expected that. Given, the only way they get given is if it's Messi standing there. <laughs> Right, the element of protection. Like that's the only one that's yeah. ever been given, and it's the only one that ever will. However, the difference was in this one is that Lloris actually got the ball. Yeah, yeah. And the follow through caught Goldilocks. But even if he didn't, even if he didn't get the ball, they arrived at the same time. It's not like he's gone smashing into them really late. They arrived at the same time, and he has the goalkeeper has to be allowed to challenge for the ball. Otherwise, we're just destroying. Punched in the face by keepers. Like, yeah. keepers are told to jump with their knee up to make sure they take out our players. Well, it hasn't destroyed your pretty face, Chris. <laughs> but, freaking, you're told, like, it goes back to basics and the fundamentals. Keepers, jump out with your fists and jump with your knee up. It's protection for you and you go through every... Even if it's your own player, you go through them. And Lloris would have done the same. If Dyer's yeah. face was there, he would have gone for the ball and saved it. Like, I just the fact that VAR even looked at it was ridiculous to me. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it, I would have there there would have been outrage if it was given. Um, that would have been match fixing at his element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would have, there would have been 101 uh, charges against uh, Man City. That's yeah, that was that was mad performance. But um, yeah, so we, we won the game extremely different performance Conte wasn't even there and we were able to put on that level of performance surely this has to be a springboard uh, you know a bit of momentum moving forwards springboards already, already happened that was the Fulham game do you reckon that was Fulham. the one nil against uh, against Fulham yep that was the springboard might have a very good Fulham squad Fulham are very underestimated mm. um, they got some really good talent some that get into our team like the likes of Paulinho I like Anthony Robinson. 
Um, yeah, Mitrovic as a sub to Kane would be a beast. Tete was phenomenal against Chelsea. Tete, oh, what a player. Phenomenal. Um, so I think that was the springboard. Also, we've got to remember, listen, Conte told us from the beginning, my regime is for them to peak yeah. for the running. And, and now, are we seeing these players peak? Maybe. We might be wrong, but Conte but, told us this. Paracicchi sort of uh, said that in his uh, little interview as well, didn't he, in, uh, with, yeah. the, with the club the other day, about the, the two parts of the season. And the sec- this part is now the important bit. Um, and if you can if you can get here when you and you get to this point where you're still challenging, which we are, what's we like two points behind Newcastle or a point behind Newcastle, uh, and we're in fifth and we're in the Champions League still and we're in the FA Cup still. So hopefully we can really push on. And I, I think Poro coming in really against what we've really struggled is against the um, what we struggled most games, but against the, the teams that like defend well. And this is this is where my concern relies is. Is as good as Hoyerberg played, as good as Emerson played, is that these games like Man City really suit Hoyerberg, where he's running, intercepting, yeah. breaking up play, and we can go on the counter. Now, where I'm concerned with Hoyerberg is, is he going to have the same effect when we've got more of the possession, where we need to unlock defences? And that's, that's something that I believe we need someone else in. And I think Hoyerberg would be brilliant as a, squad player to lock up the games that we're winning or games against Man City. Um, so I still do look as as good as he, he's, he's been this in parts of this season. I still feel an upgrade would be brilliant, but he definitely doesn't need to be sold. No, he we need him he in this world. to be a squad player. But even but, even when he's not on the pitch, his his, his professionalism and his, his drive is so important <laughs> to have that sort of personality in the uh, in the change room, and it's clear that everyone responds to that as well. Um, yeah, speaking about speaking about those games, our next few games seem a bit tasty for us, and we should be able to get a few points out of them. I mean, I'll, I'll list a, a few out here. We got Leicester away, Milan away, three points. West Ham at home. I mean, they fucking points. always turn up for us, though, don't they? The bastards. Three points. Chelsea, Chelsea at home. They're a bit of a mess. <laughs> Six points in one game. You're fucking doing. <laughs> Uh, Wolves away, they're on a bit of an uplift, but they still can't really score. Uh, Milan at home, Nottingham Forest at home. Three points. Southampton away, fuck me. If we don't get a nine goals against them. Um, Everton away. I would not be shocked if we don't lose until we play Everton. I would not be shocked. All them games are coming at perfect times. Yeah. Milan are fucking dog shit. Their defence is awful. Leicester, yes, they may be scoring goals, but they're leaking them like mad. They're um, unorganised. They look like they have absolutely no structure. so wide open with Kulu mm. and Son. Hold on. They're going to feel it. Um, Wolves may be the difficult one. They've got some solid players. So I wouldn't say I'm happy with a draw, but if we got a draw and we, we win a lot of the other games, but ultimately we win all our games, draw, draw Chelsea, draw Wolves. That's a really good start. Um, like you've just named our fixtures, look at Newcastle's. They are not easy. But we've got Newcastle, to be fair, coming up. But our, what is interesting is our last four games of the season, home to Palace, away to Villa, home to Brentford, and then we finish away to Leeds. Yeah. We should be looking at maximum points. I know Brentford are having a really, really good season. Crystal Palace on their day can upset anyone, but we tend to smack them. Yeah. Um, if we if we can get to those last four games and we're within three points of fourth if we're not already there, 
I can't see us not getting off. Once we pass Newcastle, which I'm ex- which I in my prediction will be start of March, mid March, we ain't looking back. No, and I think Newcastle will fall off. Not as in they're going to be fucking atrocious and lose no. six games in the trot. No. Um, but they're not going to keep these results. Massive I mean, you respects can... up to Newcastle, yeah. but you can already see the holes. Now that Bruno's injured, Bruno G, he's the one that links everything up and you can start seeing. And also what I've said is they've been so good. They have been. And the players have bought brilliant. Your, your Botmans, your, your, your Bruno, Bruno's, your Popes. However, they've still got the likes of Dan Byrne, Joe Willock, Callum Wilson. Their, their winger off playing, the bench is Jacob Murphy. Yeah, they're, they're playing to a higher standard. And is that sustainable? We saw it under Poch. It's hard to sustain. So, and Poch Newcastle, completely regenerated the, the side after two after two windows. Newcastle are going to become a force. There's no argument. They've they're, they're not just splashing. They are splashing. Well, depends if this city thing sets a precedent. No, but of course. But look at their signings: Bruno Guimaraes, yeah. Nick Pope. They've bought players that almost guarantee to to fit the league. Yeah. They haven't done nothing stupid, apart from the Chris Wood one, but that's brushed on the carpet. <laughs> but they've been very smart, but ultimately they've got a lot to do because they've still got a lot of players. Like, Almiron ain't going to keep this up for a long no, time. No, no. We do have Isak coming back from... Uh, they've got Isak, but he's, not, a, he's a, not another goal scorer. Mm. He links up play very well, but are their midfield going to be scoring that many goals? I'm not too sure. And like you said, I'm not expecting them to fall out. I would not be shocked to see them be top four. Do you know what I mean? They're going to get a lot of draws between now and the end of the season. I think. Yeah, a they're going to drop points. And I think yeah. it, once we get past them, I think their confidence or the pressure, like we saw at Arsenal last year, the pressure might be too much for them kind of players. They've not been in pressure situations like this. Yes, they may have been in relegation battles, but ultimately... The pressure is very different in overachieving and underachieving. Um, and listen, as long I, f- I believe top four is in our hands. I really do. I you think, think we'll get. It? I think we will. Yeah. I really think we will. Yeah, I feel but, like we've really built up some momentum now. We've got a, a really favourable um, with the, well injuries, favourable fixtures. Players coming back for injury. People yeah. at the right time. I think. Emerson's performances have been good since Porro's come in or even linked with Porro. Son's yeah. playing better. Son's two best performances in the last couple of weeks. Or when and Dan if he doesn't play well, we've got Richardson and then Juma coming off the bench. I mean, I think these players know that under Conte, which they probably didn't feel under Mourinho and, and even uh, else. <laughs> was this competition for places. And none of yeah. them, apart from Kane, they're all droppable. Yeah. And, and Conte will drop them. Yeah. So yeah. Well, he will now that he's got in places players that he trusts yeah. to come. I think in. the competition for places is is doing a lot of good. I really do. Yeah. Well, you uh you sort of mentioned AC Milan. Uh, they're obviously coming up after Leicester. Let's quickly talk about Leicester. Um. So how do you see that game playing out? And do you have a score prediction for me? High scoring, but ultimately I think we're going to win four two. Four two. All right. I like I said. I think they're really unorganised, and I don't think 
they're that potent in attack, but they do have Madison who can score from anywhere at any given moment if he can be asked. Um, other than other than him, I'm not too worried. Barnes is a half decent player, but never scores on a regular basis. Um, Iheanacho again doesn't really create anything. Um, they've got a really disjointed midfield. Tielemans looks like he doesn't want to be there. The defense is just shit. There's no two ways to put it. <laughs> Mate, I don't know what Sponge, how SpongeBob. Oh, what's his name? Sorry, not SpongeBob. Um, oh, the, one, <laughs> the one from Simpsons. Uh, yeah, oh, come come back to oh. me on that one. Come back to me on that one. Yeah, Crusty the Clown's assistant. Yeah, Sideshow yeah. Bob. Sideshow Bob. There it is. I don't know how the fuck he's a premiership player. Is it Woot Phase? Is that, is that oh, how he says, he is. Fuck. How Sonotu's on the bench to that fuck? I'll never know. Oh, he's leaving on a free anyway. That's what it yeah, is, I reckon. Probably what it is. But Politics. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so um, I'm going to go 3 1. I'm going 3 1. I want to say 3 0, but I just can't trust to put that kind of defensive performance in again. So 3 1. Um, and then midweek. Next week we've got uh, we've got Milan. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about our uh, second most hated rivals, Milan? Uh, with plenty of pleasure, they <laughs> are whole shit. <laughs> Literally, their defense is fucking shocking. Like their defense is awful. Listen, in that game we lock up Leal, we lock up we lock up Tio Hernandez. Game over. Tonali, great midfielder, but he's very defensive. And Bentacle will be able to deal with him. Hoiberg will match him for strength. Um, so, listen, I think that game's easily done. I reckon we could win away 2-3-0. Much is being said about the keeper, Tatarasanu, being arguably one of the no, worst set I've ever seen. The manager, if we think Pep's losing the plot purely. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he, plays in, he plays a derby and drops Liao. Yeah, yeah. Changes to a formation his team have never played. Plays three three defenders who are all shit. <laughs> but who, by the way, don't even start normally. Gabia hasn't played in a while. Kalulu's always in and out. Mm. It's he's he's to, he's totally lost the plot. So listen, same as Leicester. I reckon we can go to San Siro, two nil, three one. I reckon we can done and dust it before the second leg. Yeah, well, if uh, anyone listening is going out there, enjoy yourselves. Be careful, because I can tell you the attendance don't, don't give a fuck. Neither do the fans. So uh, the fans. Don't look wear after club. yourselves. Don't wear club colours. Nah, nah, nah. Stick to um, stick to the, the the allocated bars and pubs, and and yeah, look after yourselves. But do enjoy yourselves. It's, it's a great city, and you will have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's expensive. Expensive, see. Bring some, for bring any, some dollar. Any guys, for anyone that's never been to the San Siro and you go in, take some time, get there early, take in the San Siro before it gets demolished. It, yeah, it's it heartbreaking. Is, it's arguably one of the most beautiful stadiums in the world. Yeah, and yeah. My dad's, my, I haven't been, but my dad's told me how amazing it is. They've said it's better than the Bernabeu, better than New Camp. Better than all these plays, the aura it brings of iconic, the players that are played in it. Like we talk about Real Madrid Galacticos, Inter Milan and AC Milan can put in players on that fucking level. Mental. We're talking about R9, we're talking about Maldini, we're talking about Baresi, we're talking about Rivaldo, Patrick Vieira, Jokaev. Listen, the list goes on. So 
do enjoy that stadium. Take some time out to, to view it properly because you may not get another chance. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it is gonna be a little bit heartbreaking when it goes because it's just it's, it's iconic. It's synonymous with Italian football, and um, personally, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they're even talking about getting rid of it. I don't care how old or crumbly it is, fix the fucker because it's just a piece of art and it's just it's so important to the game. But anyway. I don't, this is a Tottenham podcast. We could do an Inter Milan one another time. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me again, Chris. Have you got anything to shout out or any other topics before we, we say goodbye? Um, I just wanted to say um, well done to the protesters before Man City game. Kept it professional in a sense, kept it very peaceful yeah. um, and got their point across. Um, and keep up the good work. If that's what you believe in, stand up for it. Um, but ultimately, let's not take this out on the players or the manager. Um, and things are getting exciting. Like we can be, we can start slowly being a lot more positive. For me, I've been very critical this year. I've been very down, but I'm starting to to get excited myself. And that's it. Come on, you Spurs. Yeah, and um, we, we had a little uh, a little tiff on Twitter about it, didn't we? And I think ultimately the important thing is whatever side of this conversation you're on, you're a Tottenham fan. And um, just just be nice to each other. <laughs> like, have your own opinions. Let, let's try and keep the name calling out from both sides and just enjoy it. And you you, you fight for what you believe in. That's great. And I, I absolutely respect that. But yeah, we're all Tottenham fans. That's the important thing. One point before we go, Ash. Yeah. To any of you that care so much about Arsenal more than Tottenham and wanted to lose the Man City game, hold that L. <laughs> hold it yeah. because Tottenham comes first I don't care if they win the league if we get full if we for argument's sake get full for the FA Cup boy that's more than we asked for at the beginning of the season it's yeah. what we want as long um, as we get our success I don't care what happens on that side I love Tottenham significantly more than I hate Arsenal so um, I don't give a shit anyway uh, do get in touch with us we are on Facebook I mean I haven't looked at that in fucking months I won't lie uh, get us on Twitter though we're at 1882pod that's at 1882pod um, Chris what's your Twitter handle at Chris underscore C91 yeah that's great uh, you'll see me on there mine's a fucking nightmare to read out so um, do get in touch if you want to join us one day let us know as well we will try and be more freaking I've said that all six episodes we've done so far this season but uh, yeah let's let's uh, keep this momentum going and come on your Spurs come on Spurs Harry Kane my fucking striker <laughs> <laughs>